Hello, welcome to Dark Habits and a Motivar podcast. I am Spencer, the Armless, and with me is Joel, the Armless. No, I have one arm. <laughs> oh. Yes. I'm not gonna. Couldn't, I mean, what do you, what do you want to know? Uh, I, I thought you were gonna go further. It's with actually that. A really tiny arm. It's it's also quite as disturbing. Are you Chris Elliott from Scary Movie 2? No, he has two <laughs> arms. Well, he has one whittle arm. Yeah, I know. But I have no arm on one side and a tiny arm on the other. It's completely different. I do okay. like to rub it on people's faces, though. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, all right, so this is uh, our... This is our, uh, Freya is needy right now, because I think, because she hears a dog upstairs. Um, our silent movie, uh, requirement that we do every season, Ooh. and, um, I might, might do a second one, uh, on The Man Who Laughs, which is my favorite silent movie. Nice. But, uh, that's kind of up in the air. I'm going to say it for next season, potentially. Anyway, so, um, we had, we're turning... Uh, f- from earlier in the season is Mr. Jake Lindbergh. Thank you guys for having me. And this is one of the most oh, man. I'm I'm excited to uh, dive in because this is definitely something that I feel like I was kind of born for to talk about. Yeah, and uh, so this is the Lon Chaney episode not junior talk about senior thank god uh <laughs> <laughs> i mean junior is is the definition of just okay yeah junior. Nep- he's a nepo baby he's not his dad no. but it's uh, this problem of like if you're at lon cheney uh, like why would you why would you call yourself lon cheney junior you're just comparing yeah. yourself to your dad there's a there's a really dumb scene in the biopic movie that they did about Lon Chaney where uh, James Cagney plays Lon Chaney, which is the wildest casting I've ever heard of. Mm. And at the end, you know, Lon Chaney is dying and he's got his makeup box and, you know, it says Lon Chaney. And <laughs> it's so dumb. But as he's dying, Lon Chaney takes out a piece of chalk and his son is there, whose name is Creighton Chaney, for all you uh, people who don't know. And he takes the chalk, and on the case, on the makeup case, he puts Junior at the end. And it's like, that's not how it happened. <laughs> at all. At all. Wait. But I appreciate the, the creative licensing. Oh, well, thank you, Dad. I can finally change my name. <laughs> you named me like a, a boarding school preppy boy, you know. Yeah, so, um, before we get into it officially, uh, trans rights are human rights. Yes. Learn what's happening in your area. Uh, pay attention. Vote. You know, uh, be a, be a decent human being. Be an ally. It's only getting harder for people yeah. out there, and it's upon us who have it less hard when we do to to take care of those who don't have it as yes. easy. Yeah. All right. Well, that. Is that so I got out of the way early on, surprisingly. Didn't forget. Okay, so J Dog. Had you heard of Lon Chaney before? 
That's the silliest question you've ever asked me. <laughs> that's, that's like, uh, so, oh, you're into movies. Have you ever heard of Harrison Ford? Right on, I don't, you're into music. Have you ever heard of Beethoven? <laughs> well, didn't, didn't answer my question yet. Had you, had you heard of Lon Chaney? Actually, no, I hadn't. Um, I'm a big fan of his son, uh, Lon Chaney Jr., you know, his performance in The Werewolf as a creepy bastard was uh, pretty convincing, you know? I, I, I can't really uh, can't really elaborate for some reason. Uh, no, of course I've heard Lon Chaney. Come on. <laughs> Come on. All right. And, um... Oh, you're a fan of food. Have you heard of Ronald McDonald? <laughs> Have you heard of eating? <laughs> right, uh, so, I, I, I think... I first heard Lon Chaney through Kevin Smith when I got into Clerks when I was 13, which is kind of like the standard thing. Pretty much. I feel like of a, a, a certain certain type of person. And, like, I remember he described uh, Scott Moser. Moser? Yeah, Moser? you got it. Um, as his Lon Chaney. And that's when I learned. So that, that was, like, my introduction of, like, to Lon Chaney as, like, that, that was, that, I, I thought that was a comic book thing because Kevin Smith. Yeah, but uh, then I was like, "Oh, that's some old actor. Who cares?" And then cut to probably twelve years later, I finally watch a Lon Chaney movie and go like, "Oh, that's the thing that comes with the referencing." <laughs> right. I have to say that you finding out about Lon Chaney from Kevin Smith is wild to me, but I love it. <laughs> Cause like, uh, a silent movie that's weren't a part of my life for a very long time is the thing like I knew Chaplin right um I think I just knew Chaplin for the longest time Buster Keaton was like a was like a revelation right when I first saw him first, yeah. first discovered him when I was like in my earlier tw- my early 20s yeah no definitely Chaplin's just kind of all over the place unfortunately so if you're wanting to learn about anything but comedy sometimes it's a little hard yeah but, um, so, Jake, what's what's your history with Mr. Lon Chaney? Well, uh, what's what's his real name, first off? Oh, man. Why didn't he write this down? I know it's Leonidas. It's a really cool name. Leonidas Chaney. Um, he's kind of somebody who's... Cause, like, I don't know if I... I probably told it on this podcast before, but when I was younger, wasn't allowed to watch a lot of new movies. Um, I had, you know love my parents but you know they were a little protective but um we had turner classic movies when i was a kid so um it's one of those things where it's like i don't ever really remember a time where i didn't know who lon cheney was and didn't know you know his presence and whatnot and um but as i got you know there was the documentary that i saw and then tcm started showing all of his movies um something that i used to do with my dad is we used to we had a dvr at the time and we had a dvd recorder and we used to kind of you know tcm's no commercials so you don't have to worry about commercials and we used to record the movies on the dvr and then record them on the dvd player so i have a a bunch of like home recordings if you will of a lot of tcm movies back from like the 2000s so and he's definitely one that left a mark on me um it was definitely that documentary uh 
where I was like, whoa, this guy is really cool. And, um, you know, as I got to know him, you know, his roles were more than just, you know, the Phantom and Hunchback of Notre Dame. And he definitely portrayed, like, uh, you know, the, the outcasts, I think. And at the time, I should say. Because some of the movies that he made back in the day were, some of the roles were considered outcasts then, but they are definitely not considered that now. Or at least they shouldn't be. Um, talking about, you know, Shadows and Mr. Wu, which I kind of refuse to watch because just, I, I don't feel right watching them. But um, Is that a yellow face movie? Those are two of them, yep, unfortunately. Yeah, that was... That was a thing for the next three, four decades. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, he definitely, because, you know, like I said, I was a kid who watched old movies. And, you know, a lot of kids didn't understand it. So kids not understanding things, they just, you know, tease you, make fun of you. So it made me feel kind of like a freak a little bit. And, you know, watching his movies kind of made me feel seen a little bit. And... uh and as I've gotten older, it's like, oh, I definitely understand a lot more than just, like, the horror and the macabre and the the pain and the anguish. Like, there's a lot more going on in these movies than just that. Hmm. So, yeah. I don't know if you if you told me this, but uh, is he your favorite actor? He's definitely in, like, the... Like the He's up there. Like he's definitely like maybe like top three. Okay. Uh, like I did some research. I, I got I watched some of the documentary, but my time was a little limited today. Yeah. But uh, I was shocked to learn he was American. I don't know why. Really interesting. I think maybe like seeing name Leonidas uh, Cheney oh. being like, well, that yeah. can't be American. That's too right. That like that reeks of Europe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's like for, he's from Colorado Springs which was like oh he's like kind of midwestern almost. right <laughs> yeah he's uh, very much American um, but yeah he's 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 just a fascinating person like you know grew up with deaf parents uh, and Ooh, okay that explains the expressiveness huh yeah pretty well mm-hmm. yeah and you know is his parents divorced and he is that married another deaf woman? Yeah. <laughs> As a type. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh and I just think another thing that's fascinating about his career is like his last movie was his first sound movie and we never got anything ever again. And and I think another thing that's tragedy is, you know, how much of his stuff is actually lost. <laughs> Because I would love to see the Miracle Man in full. That movie looks amazing. London After Midnight, don't care. I know everybody's real real crazy about that one, but it just it sounds very of its time and not that great. Hmm. Yeah, I've seen what what's left of London After Midnight. Because mm-hmm. uh Rust in Peace Netflix DVD had a pack of like it was the unknown with yeah. London After Midnight and I wa- I started London After Midnight and I was like is this is a slideshow and then I had to look it up like okay right. never mind I understand <laughs> right 
why it's why it's like this um yeah no it's it used to be something that i was like man if they could only find it like it's got to be out there somewhere you know but now i'm just like eh we've got good stuff we don't need any more yeah okay yeah my white whale is um kurosawa's cut of the idiot which was about four and a half to five hours long but the studio made him cut it in half Ugh. and the other in that and that footage is basically gone forever no one's been able to recover it yeah i think my holy grail would be is if somebody could reconstruct because von stroheim filmed every scene from the book of the that's based off of greed mm-hmm. and there's like a 16 hour version and i would just i'd be interested to see that Joel, do you have a, like a, a white whale of a movie that will never that, 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 that's, that's gone forever well I was trying to think of something and the only thing I could think of is um, the uh, oh crap I had, to, had the name of the movie in my brain oh uh, Event Horizon the entire cut <laughs> which doesn't seem to exist even though it's in a much more recent memory and mm. People have like looked actively looked for it, and it's just like whatever was the more violent scenes, making that movie even more of a horror movie, just don't exist anymore. That's uh, Paul W. S. Anderson, isn't it? Yes, that's one of his few good movies. <laughs> I disagree. I well, his movies are fun. Yes, for yes. the most part. I'm talking about, aren't I? On a well, I don't know. I you know you know I liked yeah. that first Resident Evil movie. I haven't seen the other ones. Um, I'm not going to talk about this. Uh, but I I like the series overall, but I have opinions <laughs> about the series overall. It is kind of fitting. I think today I saw is Martin Kessler's birthday that we're talking about Paul W. S. Anderson. <laughs> yeah, and I'd about to say I think he's a he's a background actor in one of them, but he's he's a background guy in uh, Suicide Squad. Martin Kessler. Really? And yes, and he's a hmm. background guy in, um, uh, what's it called? Total Recall remake. Okay, interesting. He was. He, I don't, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Let's yeah, move yeah, on. Yeah, look up. Uh, look up Mark Kessler's IMDb. He has one. It's huh. uh, interesting stuff shows off on there. Okay, so yeah, uh, so Jake, I yeah, I, I kind of let you pick the movies. Whew. Yeah, that was that was very difficult, but um, at the same time, it was kind of easy, at least for one of them. Yeah. So it's, um, why du- did you oh, go ahead? No, go ahead. Why did you pick uh these uh, the unknown Todd Browning, nineteen twenty-seven, and mm-hmm. uh, he who gets slapped, uh, Victor Seastrom. Uh, 1924 um i just you know i love them uh they're kind of part of like an unofficial like circus trilogy that lon cheney did where he made like three movies about the circus because uh the other one is one that he did called laugh clown laugh um and that one's okay um it's got loretta young in it like really young Hmm. no pun intended uh But uh, He Who Gets Slapped is legitimately one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, And you just can't go wrong wrong with The Unknown. 
Um, it's just such a twisted story. Um, but I mean, both of them are twisted in their own way. But um, the unknown is just. I was watching rewatching the unknown in preparation, and I was thinking, oh, the unknown walked so freaks could run, huh? <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. You know what I mean? Like, and it was just like, huh. And uh, but yeah, and it's actually a nice little pairing because they're both MGM movies. Um, they both feature future um, staples of the company in them, Joan Crawford and Norma Shearer. And I felt like mm-hmm. you guys covered the women. Mm-hmm. They're both in the women. You know, it's just kind of oh, all yeah. ties together. I, I, Norma was the main character, the, the mm-hmm. hero. Quote yeah. Unquote. Okay. I, oh, I mean, Joan is a hero in my heart. Well, yeah, she isn't everybody. Well, should be, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and, and a wonderful person in real life. Oh, yes. What a gem. Don't talk to her about hangers, though. She might get upset. <laughs> Allegedly. 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 You're right. Yeah, we got to keep... I don't think we should be talking about somebody unless they're here to defend themselves. So let's get her on the phone. Okay. I mean, Christina says that, but the twins don't say that. Yeah. (sighs) You can't, unfortunately, these days talk about Joan Crawford without a little Mommy Dearest talk. No, it's impossible. Yeah. Yeah. And, And yeah. Recently, on the last regular uh, re- regular season of Track Race in the U.S., mm-hmm. there was a night of Joan Crawford, and there was uh, they always do like a night of blank, like one mm-hmm. is like, like Beyonce, Cher, stuff like right. that, Dolly Parton, but the Joan Crawford one, someone did like the um, Jungle Red uh, like nails in her in her uh, her dresses, and it was like watching with uh my fiance and i was like i know that reference i know what reference <laughs> and she's like i don't really care <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but yeah those that's why i picked those two is they're just they're, they're great movies and also they're short i feel like with silent movies you have to have a good attention span and unfortunately i do not have the attention span that i once did um so yeah, I and I just outside of comedy, I feel like people don't really dive deep into uh, silent movies as much as they should. I feel like it's definitely left on the table. Oh, yeah, and... uh, like this came up last time Thunderbird was on, mm-hmm. and we were talking about Boonwell. We were talking about um, Belle de Jour. If you want to hear us, kind of go for an hour and a half go. It's interesting, but not the best. Right. Belle de Jour. <laughs> Listen to it. But at some point, we get into, like, silent movies. And I say, like, I... Like, for a long time, I was like, silent movies are boring and, and stupid. But then I watched a bunch of them. I was like, these are yeah. genuinely weird movies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, there's this, a real bizarre... Uh, I won't say bonkers quality, but... Like, silent movies are... Compared to mainstream stuff now like they're just so fucking weird yeah oh yeah i mean would hollywood have have the balls to make a movie about a guy who pretends to be armless but is actually has two like like conjoined thumbs or whatever you want to call which is which is much weirder than somebody with no arms yeah exactly i mean that's one of the things and like i don't know if you guys are familiar with ec comics 
Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, some of these, like the unknown especially, kind of feels like something that EC Comics would have put out. Yeah, a I, bit I, to me. I have. All EC would, of course, go more gory and graphic with it. Right. But uh, yeah, it definitely feels like the bones of EC is yeah. in like a weird story like that. Yeah. And um, I was thinking of Bad Santa the whole time because you have the little person <laughs> in uh, John, John George. <laughs> That stretch, like, Koji. I definitely, yeah, Koja, yeah, like, I Koja. definitely feel like a bad Santa analog uh, between with the two characters. <laughs> Marcus Pin, if you're listening, please look at it and see, get back to us. Yeah, bad Santa has 20 cocks, you know, uh, <laughs> as a little person, and they're, they're criminals. It's wow, almost a similar setup, but not quite a similar setup. No, there's not a weird thing with hands in that one, I I don't think I don't know if I've seen Bad Santa in a long time. And the Coen Brothers produced it, so maybe they're like, make this more like the unknown. <laughs> oh, I love that thought. I love uh, that thought. Terry, what's his name? Guy who did Ghost World directed it. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. so he's kind of artsy. Yeah, he's a little a, bit. He's a weird guy. I yeah. remember on, uh, what some movie. Charlie, I used to listen to if I don't listen to anymore. Someone got to hang out with him for, like, he did, like, a bunch of tour, uh, touring a movie or something. Mm-hmm. And he was, and he said, Steve Buscemi in Ghost World is basically me, but he dresses too flashy. Oh, no. <laughs> That's <laughs> not what, good. I know. <laughs> like, Terry, uh, he's just a fascinating director who I. I don't think he's made a movie in a while. No. Did he direct the sequel? No. He someone else directed a sequel. Yeah. He just did some jazz documentaries and that's I think that was the last like major he, thing he did. He kinda stepped away from movies. Fair enough. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, uh Joel, do you see the Bad Santa like connection that I'm making with like the I sure do. Just kidding, okay. I've never seen Bad Santa. Oh. I think it's, I think it holds up for like a mainstream comedy of the 2000s. I don't remember anything questionable, but there probably is some some questionable stuff in it. Uh, Watching comedies from the 2000s is is kind of like a, it's kind of like a risk for me big time. It's hit or miss. I don't feel comfortable watching them because it's like I was alive in the 2000s. I think this was funny. <laughs> this would happens yeah. a lot of times, and I'm like, I don't it does kind of make you take like a hard look at yourself. Be like, oh, yeah, I used like to think the, this was funny. Also, the amount of gay jokes you come across in yeah. '90s and 2000s era stuff, you're like, it's real bad. It was still, Lord. It, it was still hilarious to be gay. Oh well, yeah, I mean, even until like yeah. almost 2010, it was super funny to be gay because there's a. Well, I'm really gonna say this on a movie podcast but um on taylor swift's picture to burn there's a version that's homophobic mm. and uh yeah i keep seeing uh clips of it on like instagram and stuff and i'm like oh so she's not as woke as she claims to be now so mm. yeah, but, uh i don't know because like uh where are going with this 
I can't remember. You That's okay. Yeah. yeah, so Joel, did you like these two movies? Well, I'd already seen uh, He Who Gets Slapped before, and it's, yeah, it's definitely one of my favorite silent movies. Uh, I was less into The Unknown, <laughs> and it's it's silly because I just, <laughs> sorry. You're good. I just think it's so ridiculous that for, he's been pretending not to have arms this whole time. It is a ridiculous premise. Like, and very he's ridiculous. Got that weird double thumb thing, which is even freakier. Like, just put it, just put like a a regular suit on him and have him walk around the crowd. Go like, look at my thumbs. Oh, that's a, that, you know, that's gonna sell some money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, be moved to the freak show. But I mean, like, I, I, I get what you're saying, but for yeah, me, the too. thing that makes it um, work is that it's played very straight. Yeah, it does. There's no ironic. Uh, angle to it it's just like Mm-mm. this premise is insane and silly and there are a lot of holes you can poke into it oh yeah but but no one really cares because they're playing it completely straight alonzo just strikes me as a dumbass that's because when he goes to have surgery i mean like get those thumbs fixed dude <laughs> well yeah i mean that's a good point but um i mean i know why he did it and I right, it's much more striking in the movie because he did it and all this stuff like that. But which is really interesting that scene where he comes back and he finds out that they're going to get married. Um, I don't know how far you got in the documentary, Spencer, but mm-hmm. uh, the biographer that they had on that uh, documentary said that he talked to Burt Lancaster about that movie, and Burt Lancaster, of all people, said he's like, "That's one of the most like powerful scenes I've ever seen an actor do." Where he finds out, oh, I didn't have to cut off my arms for nothing. You know what I mean? Which is like, damn. Like, Burt Lancaster thought that was good. And I was like, well, you know. Yeah. Speaking of Martin Kessler, <laughs> that's his favorite Hollywood actor. Oh. I mean, he could have... That's I love Burt Lancaster, but... Um, but yeah, so it's definitely... No, I... As I've gotten older, I think... The Unknown is more iconic for that opening scene where he's doing the tricks where she's like on the, they're on the rotating thing and he's, you know, shooting and then throwing knives and whatnot. And uh, some of those movies don't hold up in some parts just because of like the romance angle. They're just too, I don't know, just goody two shoes. Mm-hmm. And I I understand that. Um, and I probably have noticed this before, but I'm pretty sure that they shot through gauze in the romantic scenes in the unknown. Yeah, that would explain the the way it looks. Yeah, it looks like really weird and I don't understand that, but I don't also, I'm not like a director where I could say, well, I would have done that differently, but I mean, you could have done that with lighting, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um. But, uh, yeah, I just think it's such a fascinating tale. Like, the the unknown kind of feels kind of like a fucked up parable at times. And it's just, you know, and that's the other thing I picked up this time is like, you know, Joan Crawford's character doesn't like to be touched. And, you know, Lon Chaney, uh, Alonzo, his character 
kills the circus owner who is her father correct yep yes and i because you know i you know i've gotten older and i've understood trauma more and it made me wonder um because she kind of does like a 180 after her dad dies and it made me wonder if like her dad abused him and because like he's picking a fight with lon cheney like what the hell yeah he's i mean he's definitely violent as a person so i guess that wouldn't and possessive i mean the whole thing's yeah. about yeah not my daughter right and uh it just made me think about it and just the whole metaphor of hands and stuff you know yeah, and uh also think look at at looking at it now in terms of for more uh paying t- put paying closer attention to like when women say like they they don't like being touched right like that watch yes. it now like Oh, this is just like a hyper, uh, uh, like a super hyper heightened version of like that, uh, that type of thought. Yes. Um, it just was very interesting in that once he's dead, she's good. It's like she got over it. Not, not that she did, but like, it just like, there's a sudden switch. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And, that that was uh, a bad way to put it. That she just suddenly got over it. But that's yeah. it's what it seems like, you know. I mean, she, her father died. She's out at the circus, right? right. She's basically got Alonzo, who is purposely separating her from everything, right? And then uh, the guy who has been Mister Machismo like, <laughs> actually takes a minute to like think about what's going on, right? Realizes like I don't. If this is not what she wants, then. I can be fine with that. And, yeah. And it, it is like miraculous. The spell breaks and whatever. Right. But it's also like they do put some thought and understanding into that. It's not just like, wow, I feel so free that my father's dead. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. She just, and what's interesting too is uh, he's working with uh, Norman Carey again. And Norman Carey, who had played the strongman, was in the Phantom of the Opera. Um and uh, it's just it's fun to see those little connections uh, throughout his career. And uh, but yeah, the unknowns just it doesn't really. If it was if it was longer, I feel like it wouldn't hold a lot of water. But since it's short, it works. I feel like in some aspects. Yeah, for like for me, it's short and sweet. That there are clear problems with the story and motivation. Yeah. But the thing is. It's for it's fifty minutes long, so that's right. the fifty minutes. You're like, that was fun, <laughs> right? It's a it's a ride. It's kind of like a weird haunted house ride, um, but and instead like, of you know demons and ghosts and stuff, it's you know guys with split thumbs. But anyway, yeah, and like the and of course, like we kind of have to address like the the, the Romani angle of like. They're 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 weird and outcasts and they're right. uh, kind of mystical, right? And folksy type and it's like, and again, like I, it's an old movie. I used right. to expect it, and um, it didn't feel as racist as it could have been. I think the only thing that was kind of, and I don't know if this, I didn't actually research this, but the. Where they're burning the clothes after the dad dies. Mm-hmm. I don't know if yeah, that's like... a weird worshipping thing. Yeah, that that was probably the only thing that bugged me. 
because they even said in the movie like oh there's so many gypsies here blah 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 and it's like yeah, okay. I'll clarify the movie uses the word gypsy a lot yeah and, and uh, uh, yeah it definitely uses that a lot unfortunately yeah, and when I say racist I don't mean they're a separate race I mean like it, it, it felt like it could have been way more offensive mm-hmm. but it's still well offensive but it it felt restrained for its era yeah and maybe there's parts of it because I know it's not a complete complete movie maybe there's parts of it that are missing that are you know uh, worse and maybe it's to the movie's benefit because Todd Browning isn't exactly very PC Um, there's another Lon Chaney movie called West of Zanzibar and that movie is very problematic in this day and age on many different levels Mm. Um, I almost picked that one but Mm. there's too much to talk about in a bad way than there is good things to talk about. Um, And it's just, there's a lot of problems with it. I think it's, it's a very twisted tale, but it's also very problematic in several aspects. Like just, if anybody's listening and is wanting to know what's problematic with it, just look it up. You'll see what I mean. Well, Um, it's got the, it's got the word Zanzibar in it. So, (laughs) Yeah, I, I don't need to look that up. I pretty, I have a good idea of what it probably is. Like, the premise is interesting, but it's not right uh, in this day and age. I mean, it was probably acceptable at the time, which, you know, means it's not, shouldn't be acceptable today, because it's pretty, pretty bad. But anyway. Yeah, it's also this weird scene, a movie like this, to me, like, Spain is crazy and exotic. They're Catholic because <laughs> there's you see a bunch of crucifixes and stuff in the background, right? Subtext is like this exotic foreign land in Europe full of mm. Catholics. Oh my gosh, the Catholics are coming! If you go to Spain, they're just everywhere. I do think it's interesting that both of these movies are basically like um, I, you know, that one's taking place in Spain and the that that guy who laughs a lot, uh, whatever mm. the other one is, uh, like France. these are like kind of immigrants. Stories, yeah, at a least little bit. You know, foreign language. You know, like people who are not American. Like right. in in uh, he who gets slapped, everybody has a. Uh, I don't know what what nationality. They um, have non-American nationality names, yeah. I guess you could say. It yeah. takes place in France because there's a point where you see a sign in the background. Uh, a new, oh yeah, like, well new, the French new name circus. New Cirque, which is the new circus. That's like okay, right. this is supposed to be France. I, I think they just got that from Hot Topic. I don't think. Uh, <laughs> okay. I don't think that's actually a poster for the circus or anything. Oh dang! Well, I didn't know they had Hot Topic back in the twenties. That's pretty oh, cool. Oh yeah. Oh, it's been around forever. That's that's the disgusting part. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh uh, goodness. But I mean, it, what's unknown? Like it, it's 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 kind of like the gimmick everyone knows who's aware of the movie, but just the yeah. physicality of mm-hmm. watching, um, I'm sorry, Burt Lancaster, uh, uh, Lon Chaney, yeah. you know, um, f- shoot a gun with his feet and mm-hmm. throw knives with his feet and just like do all this stuff with his feet. There was a foot double, but yes. you see a lot of him on his own doing stuff with his feet. But it's so natural hands. too, even when it is a double. It makes me wonder because like these movies were cranked out incredibly fast yeah and it was very and it'd be very easy just to phone it in and half-ass it but it feels like he spent a year learning how to do all the stuff with his feet right yeah he's 
that's one of the things I love about Cheney is he just I, I would say that he was definitely one of those first actors who kind of like on the Daniel Day-Lewis level put everything into his character but it sounds more like that Lon Chaney wasn't an asshole about it um, he, you think he's more reasonable to be around? <laughs> well, it sounds like it. Like from the documentary, uh, they said that when he was on set, he was serious and he was focused and, you know, real professional. But it's not like he was a jerk. Um, it's interesting that uh, they when he, did, when he did Laugh, Come, Laugh with Loretta Young, I guess the director, Herbert Brennan, was just an absolute jerk to Loretta Young and it was her first movie role and he said to Loretta Young one day like what made you think you could act blah 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 basically made her cry in her dressing room and Loretta Young said that when Lon was on the set that stuff never happened almost like some she he was afraid of her so it's very interesting the director was afraid of Lon Chaney yeah I mean he yeah. he he looks like somebody's grandpa who's been like through it oh i mean he looks like a person who could murder you with his feet if he didn't have hands. <laughs> yeah, that's what like, I, was, I was hoping there was going to be a, a strangulation with the feet somehow i was like right Ooh. no he's just smoking cigarettes with his feet drinking wine yeah, right he, he just looks like a guy that like would smoke smoke like five packs a day oh for, yeah all for his entire life well i mean it is no coincidence that long chain long cheney Lon Chaney died of lung cancer, so, um, which is unfortunate. But, yeah, he has a real, like, Pasolini face of, like, someone who's just really been through it. Yeah, like, weathered, very weathered looking, and and that may be part of his makeup, you know, I don't know. It's very interesting, because he did a lot of, he did his own makeup, and it was, you know, pretty spectacular. Mm-hmm. Um... Well, but, Joel, did you did you like the physical the physical performance in the unknown? Well, that's uh, that's for, the the thing that makes the movie worth watching is Lon Chaney's yeah. performance because like just like the expressionism or whatever the expressions that he can pull on his face where he's going mm-hmm. from from happy or pretending to be happy to this mm-hmm. like enraged face and anguish. Yeah, and th- I mean that scene. Yeah, where. <laughs> After he gets the arms removed, he finds out they're getting married. Where I, I love that you keep going back to the reactions from there. Like, oh, he's laughing. Because like, he's, he's so, so happy. happy <laughs> like, really? He doesn't look like it. And then finally they get it when he stops laughing. Like, oh, shit. Uh, something wrong? <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think that they really get it <laughs> until he, he goes on and he pulls the lever to make it go faster. Oh, yeah. Um, Does this count as body horror? I'll allow it. Mm, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I was disgusted by the double thumb, but I don't know if that can. <laughs> I mean, and the only reason why he was hiding it is because he was a criminal who could be identified by the double thumb. Yes. Um. Series of bank robberies. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I, I don't I, know. I presume, he, I presume he killed other people, too. Right. I'd say it's probably like proto body horror, like very very loosely body horror. So you have like Mad Love, the Peter Laurie movie. That's crazy. Hands. 
That's so crazy you think about, you mentioned that, because I was watching this and I was like, oh, this would make a good double feature with that. Yeah, and I'm sure there's other, like, uh, like body-focused, like, horror stuff at yeah. this time, but those are only two I can think of. Yeah. Um, and I, I think guess this Man is... Who Laughs. Oh, um, yeah. Just because his, his, uh, his face is, like, partly you know, mm-hmm. stuck in that way. Yeah, and, um, actually, oh, and uh, John George, who is Kojo, is in The Man Who Laughs. John George uh-oh. is in like hundreds of things. He appeared and yeah. he is a, an active like bit part player, not no pun intended, uh, bit part <laughs> player for like five decades in Hollywood. <laughs> Interesting. I did not know that about him. Um I think also one of the things is you could kind of point to is um, this is one of the first instances of like a midnight movie just because it's so weird and so out there. Um, yeah. Oh, he was... Oh, that's unfortunate. John, John, George. John George was in Babes at Toyland. Anyway. Uh, yeah, that's unfortunate. Uh, you gotta but, uh, work. Go ahead. I mean, you gotta work to make money. <laughs> Unfortunately, but um. Oh, he's in How to Marry a Millionaire, the TV he, series. Interesting. Yeah, he's very interesting. Um, I was. I'm just looking at his filmography. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, that, that could be a whole separate podcast. Oh yeah. He's, I'm gonna end it here. He's in The Conqueror, the uh, John Wayne movie, where he's hmm. Genghis Khan. It looks like he was a Todd Browning regular, because oh. he worked with Cheney before in two other movies that Todd Browning made. So, yeah, and I don't actually I don't know if he died of cancer or not because the thing with the the Conquerors, the Conquerors that they filmed it where they tested nuclear bombs, right? And a big chunk of the um, right uh, crew and cast died from various forms of cancer. Right. It looks like he died from emphysema, which is interesting. So, and uh, he was Syrian, and oh. John George, of course, not his real name. No, that's uh, really interesting. I okay. His real name was uh, Tufe Fatella. There you go. I think you got it. Yeah, I thought I um, hope so, but uh, but yeah, he had a long career. Frick, he was his last one of his last roles was in uh nineteen fifty six on an episode of Gunsmoke. Ironically mm-hmm. called Helping Hand. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, and uh he's um he kinda reminds me of Billy Barty of this like oh, interesting interesting yeah. old person actor. Yeah. Well well uh John George was a dwarf, I should clarify. I think yeah. Billy is was a dwarf too. I think so. But um yeah, like th- these interesting dwarf actors who clearly have a lot of charisma, but because of you know um, yeah. how how the movie industry worked, they c- had to play uh, either the, like a freak or a town person, and that's kind right. of it. Or being the uh, Munchkin in the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I uh, yeah, he's he's a lot more fascinating than I didn't give him credit for, but you know that I knew. 
didn't know that he worked that long. That's awesome. Yeah. I wonder if he, I know Billy Barty fought for like dig, for like roles for dignity for yeah no people for his whole life, and I wonder if John George is a part of that fight too. I I could see that. I could definitely see that. Um. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, J Dog, do you have anything else to say about the unknown? Mm, not in particular. No. Did you like Joan Crawford in it? Who did she play? I'm just kidding. Yeah, she, yeah, she, <laughs> she was good. She did what she needed to do. Yeah, I mean, it was, like, she, it was her like first role, so. Yeah. It's before she played the bitch. She was trying to figure out, you know, what she could yeah. play. <laughs> she struggled a lot at MGM getting the roles that she wanted. Which, this is going to be a really good segue, because most of the roles that she wanted went to Norma Shearer. Hmm. But that's yeah. what happens when you're married to the boss. But anyway. Yeah. Norma Shearer, Canadian, just like Martin Kessler. <laughs> <laughs> just tying it back. Yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, connecting that to um, uh, He Who Gets Slapped. Yeah. And first, I want to say, before anyone... Is is wondering? Are you going to bring it up? Victor uh, uh, Seastrom directed the Phantom Carriage, which yes. is the 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 Shining axe thing. Blah blah blah. Yeah, it's kind of. I feel it's passe at this point to bring that up. But and I think it's see, actually a disservice to him too because he's an excellent director. Yeah, and uh, I want to see more of his movies now after seeing um, He Who Gets Slapped. Yeah. But yeah, that's Victor. That's the same Victor Seastrom of the. Uh, the uh, uh, associated shining fame, just mm-hmm. so, so it's over with. <laughs> Thank you. I, I I honestly had forgotten about it, probably because it was like a mental thing that I've just blocked it out. Um, but uh, I don't know how much research you did on this one, but um, I did some about like the play and the history of the play. Well, not only that, but that it was the first movie that MGM produced. Oh yeah, I did see that, and um. The whole thing is that uh, they wanted to charm the audience, but also get the critics on their side, mm-hmm. which honestly watching it, I'm like, oh, I can definitely, I mean, they brought in Victor Seastrom from freaking Sweden, Sweden, like they're really trying to car- charm the critics. Yeah. And he, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he made a couple moves in Hollywood. Yes. The but- Wind, excellent movie. Uh, I, the uh, one of them, at least one, is lost. The Greta Gar, Greta Gerwig, <laughs> Greta. Damn, she she's been around. <laughs> Greta um, Gar Garbo, Greta Garbo. Yep, got it. There's one here, the Greta Garbo, that is uh, is apparently lost. I'm trying to think which one it is, because I didn't write down the title, but uh, he did. He was in the U.S. for seven years, I think. Right. The, was this his first one? Offhand, do you know if this was if he um, gets slapped was the first Hollywood? I would did? have to think so because um, they did a lot of that with um, with Cheney. It seems like because I am about a hundred percent sure. I'm not 100%. I'm, I'm pretty positive that um, 
he that they brought in oh who's the director of Haxon? Benjamin Christensen mm-hmm. for a, a Lon Chaney movie as well. So he worked with some pretty good directors. Um but I'm pretty sure that was his first American movie. Um He uh they definitely changed his name in the title screen. Um yeah. cuz to ma- Americanize it more. Um Let's see here. Cuz I'm curious if this was his first American movie. Uh J Dog, have you had um how did you first hear about he who got who he who gets slapped? Actually, that's a good question. I'm not sure. Uh, you know, I, I had that project where I was trying to watch ten movies from every year since mm-hmm. uh, film uh, started, and I never got as low as the twenties. But you know, I mix it up and watch, like. I would go to years where I hadn't seen anything and then just watched a movie or two from it. And this one uh, was probably one of the most popular. So just watch that. And yeah, one of, one of the, like with ADHD, silent movies are kind of difficult. Um, yes. If they're slow in parts. It's like, um, oh, what what is it? It. It's not as engaging if you have to... Because you're basically watching and reading at the same time. Right, yeah. And as somebody who is ADD, ADHD, I totally sympathize and totally understand. Because yeah. it's, it's rough. Um, uh, I don't know... Because I remember watching Metropolis for the first time, and that was a struggle for me to get through. Amazing movie, but I've really long. Never gotten through it. Yeah. It's great science fiction for the time. Um, and you call yourselves movie fans. <laughs> I've seen the anime of Metropolis. Oh well, well that's you call it yourself a movie. Not, yeah, <laughs> bring an anime in this discussion. I think, um, we, I think you need to leave. Okay, <laughs> but so you you think you watched it in that quest you started where you were trying to watch a movie from every year? Yeah, and this was a good. I mean, this this one has my actual favorite, which is Sunrise, Song of Two Humans, mm-hmm. and He Who Got or Who Who Gets Slapped keeps yeah. getting slapped. Keeps slap that guy, yeah. and they're both like they're so involving the whole time. Like, yeah, the animated way that even uh, Lon Chaney's playing the Doctor character. Yes, first then. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it, immediately everything is going goes bad for him after. It seems like ah, it's gonna go great. And they're like, nope. <laughs> Wife's cheating on you. Yeah. No. And uh, your Before. benefactor is gonna take credit for your findings. And yeah, it's it's just a tragedy in general. And before we get into the more of the movie, uh-huh. I want it's based off a play by Leonid uh, Andreev. Mm-hmm. It was one of the last plays this Russian um, playwright wrote. And he completed it in August 1915. Mm-hmm. It was first um, first debuted October 27th, 1915. Yeah. And in Russia, it was a massive hit. Oh, yeah. And then it spread all throughout Europe. And then there was... I have a list of adaptations. Mm-hmm. 1916, a Russian film. 1924, American film. 
uh, that's one we watch. 1925 at Opera. 19... No. 1925 Opera? Yeah, okay. 1925 Opera. 1956, another opera. 1961, a TV movie. 1971, a, uh, a, a musical... Uh, a theater musical. Have you seen it? No, I just don't like the idea of this being a musical. Oh, and um, it went on Broadway the first time, January 9th, 1922. So, like, this was a massive deal. Yeah. I'm having... I'm, my brain has been working some creative juices because, like, not only can I envision a musical that might work with this, I actually... Uh, let's just skip straight to the end. That scene... Uh, wait, if you haven't seen this movie... It's yeah. just like all the other movies we've discussed. You should watch it before we talk about it. Yeah, definitely. And now that I've said that, the part where he is like, he's not only you know pissed at the count, obviously, like right. not pissed. That's an understatement. But <laughs> yeah, the father is like selling his daughter. literally, literally. And he goes, yeah, beast. You know, like yeah, you can, yeah. I can't remember what he specifically says, but I imagine somebody actually saying those words, but. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> The scene having this modern weight of like of terror in it, like mm-hmm. this is not somebody who's sane anymore, but he is right. Yeah, that that that's a very good point. I because he's definitely dealing with his own. Again, I've learned a lot about. I feel like trauma, people's trauma, since I've started watching Lon Chaney movies, and it's a lot more. I don't want to say clear, but it's a lot more understandable. And um, it's just the whole, that whole ending scene is just vicious. Um, The lion scene or? Yeah, the lion scene. I mean, it's just, it's just, yeah. pardon my French, but it's just fucked up. Yeah. Um, I did not expect the movie to go that dark. (laughs) I I was like, this movie's pretty, the whole time through, I'm like, this is just oppressively sad and I love it right then, exactly but but then it's like he's not gonna set the lions on them this is gonna oh. backfire on him obviously and then it's like wait it worked right he did, he did not care at that point yeah he, he knew what was going to happen yeah he knew that especially after he got stabbed he was just yeah. like screw it I'm done yeah he plays that stab so well I know it's he like, does oh my god and the I was symbolism of the Baron. Oh, sorry. I was positive the Baron would survive and get the last Thank laugh. God, he didn't. I want. You know, there are very few people in movies that just have punchable faces. That guy's oh. one of them. The moment you see him, I think his name is Mark McDermott. Yeah. The moment you see him, I'm like, fuck this guy. I hate <laughs> him already. Exactly. And just the whole beginning part, it's just like. It just makes me so like sad. Like. He trusted the people he trusted the most were the ones who betrayed him, and that is brutal. Um, it's just it's terrifying to think about. Um, it's just you're saying you're saying something earlier. Who was Jake? You're about Red Season. I can't remember. Oh, it's okay. But it's just it's such a you're right. It's so depressing. Uh, outside of you know the lovers. But, like, the scene where he tells Consuela that he loves her. Yep. And she thinks it's a joke. 
And she as, slaps him. I mean, I... I don't want to say my heart breaks every time I see it, and then I have to put it back together. <laughs> I mean, it's a gasp moment. It, it is. And then the fact, what was the line that he said? And that was like, oh my god. Um, he said, I was... It's so hard to take notes during a silent movie. Yeah. Uh, he said... Uh, something like, oh, you know me. I'm never serious. And it's just like, oh my god, what a... Oh, he says, I say serious things and people laugh at me. That's the line. And it's just like, just twisting the knife. Just mm-hmm. twisting the knife. And uh, it's just, it's a movie that I, I don't know why I relate to. Um, As a kid, I used to, I wasn't exactly a class clown, but definitely like to make people laugh. But like... It was a movie that I understood even at like a young age for some reason. And it's stuck with me ever since then. And it's just such a, a great film. It's the, um, it's the appeal of silent movies, which is exactly. like, which is like the lowest common denominator kind of, but it's like when it works, it works really well. Yeah. And I mean, everything was firing. The symbolism is great in that movie with the heart. You know, when he's, yeah. he's, you know, I mean, I mean, the scene where she's sewing the heart back on his, you know, his suit is such a beautiful thing, a symbolism. She's literally fixing his, like, preparing his heart. Yeah. And it's just, it's just so beautiful. And then she gives him his heart back. And it's just, there's so much to unpack with that. And I probably could talk about it for hours because it's just so beautiful. And I think it's what gets lost with sound. Mm-hmm. Because you had you had to rely on that, you know, visual. That's that's honestly I can't remember who said it, but oh, Truffaut wrote a, a letter to Hitchcock, um, saying that mm-hmm. if the silent era had continued, something to the effect of like he would have made it, like he would have been such an even bigger star than he already was. And I just think I think the silent era is underrated. Oh, uh, definitely, I... not everything is gold. Uh, don't watch Birth of a Nation. Fuck D.W. Like... Griffith. Uh, just got to get that out of the way. Joel, what you were saying? Just like now, not everything's gold. Yeah. Yeah, but I like with silent movies. I don't watch a lot of them, but when I do, I'm just always like, what would happen if it if it continues for five more years? Yeah, because I just want to see how it would have evolved. It's a s- interesting, right? I mean, so- sound is great, but at the same time, I want to see like how visual storytelling could have evolved, evolved and morphed. I mean, and that's the problem with Hollywood is, I mean, even now. So you know, with the jazz singer, they're like, we need more pictures like the jazz singer, you know, and more blackface. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need musicals with no camera movement until you know, Rosby Berkeley. But anyway. <laughs> it's it, it the, they Hollywood always learns the wrong thing from their successes. Star Wars. What makes Star Wars great? Hero's I, Journey. Hero's Journey. Fun mythology, not special effects. I mean, that's my opinion. Um. The Barbie Oppenheimer thing again. We need more event horizon. Not event horizon, but like yes, we do. 
Well, yes, we do. We do need more Event Horizon. I walked into that one. But, like, Barbie's successful because it's about toys, not because it was a fucking fantastic movie. You know, not because it was so heartfelt and real and, it's you a, know. No, I, I, saw it, I saw it twice in the theater and the part when she tells the old woman, um, you're beautiful. And Holmes says, I know. <laughs> makes me it almost makes me cry every time. It's a great. It's just such a great. I mean, that's the. Fr- I have not cried at a movie in the theaters for a long time, and that movie made me like cry a lot. And it's just like I'm glad that I saw that over Oppenheimer because Oppenheimer sounds like a depressive mess. But anyway, um. It's just Hollywood's always learning the wrong thing from success, I feel like. So now, you know, uh, Mattel's going to make a fucking Hot Wheels movie. And, you know, it's just... it's just it, It's my old man. I feel like an old man yelling at the sky. But it's just... Yeah. It's just how I feel about Hollywood. Because you just look at everything and it's just like they're constantly learning the wrong thing. Yeah. But... but uh... Yeah, uh, Joel, what is? I guess you got into a little bit. What is uh, your general opinion of He Who Gets Slapped? Oh, I think it's it's good from beginning to finish. I think that, um, you know, as I said with the unknown, Lon Chaney's the reason you can see there. And but this movie has everything that you would want from a modern day movie going mm-hmm. into it too. But like Lon Chaney's difference of expression it's it's these things it's it's like you know what it looks like when somebody's smiling you know what it looks like when somebody is smiling hysterically you know what it looks like when somebody is faking that smile it's like well in real life possibly with like my close the people that i actually hang out in person and stuff like that mm-hmm. i might be able to tell when they're faking smiles and stuff like this but he does so much with his eyes and he, the way he will wrinkle his forehead or mm-hmm. wrinkle everything else and you know the the casual move of the side of his mouth from up to down and vice <laughs> yeah and yeah um his i think it was his stepmom or his mom I can't remember which one um lost uh she couldn't like move her she lost like control of her body as she got she older she was bedridden yeah bedridden that's it and so he had to communicate like this with his face that's how they mm. would. That's how he would have to figure out what she needed, because she because she is deaf, deaf yes. mute. Because both of, both of his moms were stepmom and her own mom, and um, so uh, yeah. So so like when you like when you learn you know the whole how he grew up and what and how he had to take care of his family, it makes sense that he can just communicate everything, which just like moving his lips a certain way, and looking and changing his uh, how he looks at you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was very much against sound, in fact, because he was pretty outspoken for the um for the deaf community and because he thought silent, you know, silent movies were amazing because, you know, most deaf people would see them and they wouldn't need the music, but, you know, and they'd have the inner titles and yeah, so he was actually against sound. Mm. Um but yeah, he who gets slapped, it's legitimately like 
top five favorite movies of all time for me. Um, he's just, I mean, there's just, I mean, and it, you know, it's also the first produced movie by MGM. So it's historical. Uh, it's got two pillars of the studio that star in it. Uh, Norma Shearer, who would, you know, carry the company for a long time. John Gilbert, who worked with Garbo and kind of carried the company too. I think you mean Gerwig. (laughs) (laughs) Too many G names. Um, It's just, and it's just a great movie. I mean, it's just full of symbolism. It just, I I cannot say enough good things about it. Um, Victor Seastrom directed it. Uh, Yeah, he's, it's just, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. It's just, it's stuck with me just because, you know, talking about trauma and betrayal and, and granted, the betrayal is actually pretty tame for what you would think a movie would portray or portray betrayal. Because usually betrayal is like, I don't know, like, you slept with my wife, blah, 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 or you slept with my husband, blah, 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 you know, that kind of betrayal. But this is like, a deeply psychological betrayal. It's not, you know, relationships. I mean, it is, but it isn't. Yeah, it amounts to, like, this is a movie about a man who went through a severe nervous breakdown and has never, and will never recover from it. Right. And just, like, thinking about from perspective of mental health, it's like, Mm -hmm. he, he, this, this this fucked him up forever. He will never recover from he, from yeah. from what his wife and um benefactor right. did to yeah. him and uh and you know it's it's kind of a beautiful thing to see <coughs> there was a there was a line where it was like he sees consuelo and like it's kind of a beautiful thing when you see somebody who's been that hurt but be able to granted you know he was probably like twice her age at the time but you know fall in love again and be able it's because you know falling in love means trust and it's just it's a beautiful thing granted doesn't end well but in the end in his own twisted way you know it's kind of one of those the old saying if you truly love something you will let it go well you know he just locked a two jerks in a room and you know sicked a lion on him but you know and died in the end but he truly loved her enough to protect her, which is really interesting. He just made a Abbott and Costello short, two jerks in a room with a lion. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, it's one of those movies that, like, stays with me. And, it's you know, that. It's, just, it's just amazing. It amazes me every time I watch it. And it makes and me that. kind of treat people... You know, I, I always try and treat people with respect, but it makes me really consider what people have been through. And, like, something we didn't talk about is, it's a, like, the, visually, it's kind mm-hmm. of trippy and dreamlike yeah. at points. The way it, transfer, it transfers between segments. Yeah. Where it's, uh, is a it clown. supposed to be he, is it, that's a, a general clown or supposed to be I he? I think it's just a general clown because it's supposed to say that, like, clowns kind of run the world and... I, I think so, but it's possible. It could be Lon Chaney. I'm not sure. Okay, because like you see us like clown in a dark room. It's like spinning a globe, yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, that, I'm pretty sure that was Lon Chaney. Yeah. And they okay. did you notice he had the part of his hand blocked out where, you know, he would be spinning the globe on his fingers. Mm. I guess that was just one thing he hmm. did. I mean, he didn't have to get that down. He did everything right. else. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I guarantee you he could do it. And oh, yeah. Like, this, maybe lighting was weird. There's probably some technical reason they couldn't show it. Right. Or maybe it looks trippier, like a spinning globe in, like, darkness underneath yeah. it. Those those transitions felt weirdly experimental. And, uh, I mean, this is, uh, this is 1924, so this is, yeah. like, Boonwell is making Anshu Andalou, I think, at this right. point. Or had just made it. When did he make it? Because it didn't come out till 29, right? That was earlier than that. That's one of my favorite movies of all time. But yeah, this, like, um, you know, this, yeah, this is the era of like Jean Cocteau. I think Blood right. of a Poet is not is but, not too long after this either. Um, let's see, when did he film it? <coughs> um, no, it wouldn't have be for another like four years when they would start filming. Okay. Because 1929, because it was Anshin and then... Leige.org were kind of in succession. Oh, okay. like they were about a year apart. Um, yeah, Ben Wells, one of those guys who is so old, like, I just kind of assume he started he's been like, there in the 1910s. Yeah. <laughs> Which is funny because he was born in 1900, so. Yeah. But, like, because uh, how connected he was to the art scene, I just kind of yeah. figured, oh, he probably started, like, in third World War One or whatever. But, um,. It's definitely possible that he saw it because there was that scene. Of the where, ants? Yep, with food. the ants. Which is a very subtle way of saying that Norma Shear and John Gilbert in the movie had sex. But anyway. Yeah. Was that, Wait, Joel. Is that what it was supposed to be? Because I just thought, like, oh, God damn, you wasted those sandwiches. <laughs> it, 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 they're not paying attention to their food. Horrifying. <laughs> kind I mean, of the Joel, old... Have you, see, have, have you seen Anshu Andalou? That's the that's the craziest question you've ever asked me. Have I seen it? No, okay, no, actually, it wasn't that's the, the ho- that's movie. the horse the horse one, the cow eye one. Yeah, I've seen it a couple of times. Okay, I try and watch it like every year. It's just one of my favorite movies. I, I like Boonwell. Yeah, and that one in particular is like a really good movie to show somebody and be like, "What the hell did you make me just watch?" I'm like, right, ah? right. That and <laughs> Meshes of the Afternoon. Uh, that's a fucking it. masterpiece. Oh, I, I think so Darren's sorry. one of the best filmmakers to have ever lived. But anyway, yeah. um, and also like, this is another generic thing to bring up. But David Lynch, and just <laughs> um, Eraserhead specifically, yeah, this visually makes me think like, did he see this? Oh, he had to see Lon of Chaney course. movies. Like, I feel like without Lon Chaney, because his movies can be horror, but they're also just very odd they're not i mean like he had to see the unknown we gotta admit that he saw the unknown yep yeah um i know he's not a big movie guy but he doesn't also talk about the movies he's big fan of either right he'd rather talk about like painting and philosophy than movies. he was in film school you know yeah but i feel like he was more likely to cut class and go paint something uh, well yeah. yeah he was in philly so he'd rather just escape and mentally escape from being in Philly because he hated it so much. That's why yeah. Racerhead is the way it is because part of the movie is like, 
I hate Philadelphia so much. <laughs> Sorry, Teach. I meant to do the lesson, but I was busy making pancakes all night. <laughs> that was very good. Um, but yeah, I mean, he definitely saw freaks, I imagine. So, um, yeah, just yeah. Also, I think in terms of his acting style, the way he has some people act feels very silent movie. Mm-hmm. Kind of like that strange Lynchian quality. <laughs> there you go. You got it out of the way. Um, but yeah, I I feel like you know filmmakers today just want to you know I don't know they they need to really know their history and mm-hmm. if they're really ser- like serious about the craft. That's just my opinion. And they you can learn so much about filmmaking from the silent era because um, it's just like how can you convey everything exactly. for just physical performance yeah exactly and that's the other thing is in that documentary um cheney moves like a dancer you know that's the other thing is you could always tell even if he was in makeup who cheney is because his move because of his movements they're so graceful yeah um it's it's, a, it's an underrated quality like shock um no, Jacques Tati. Yes. Like we're like Jacques Tati is like this understood how to move his body mm-hmm. in a way that most humans do not understand how to move their body, and like physicality is a big part of acting. Mm-hmm. But Lon Chaney is another guy who just he understood, fully understood how to move his body. Yeah. In a way, that, like it sounds stupid to say out loud, but it's just one of it's one of those. Uh, uh, intangible things that you, you you have it or you don't have it exactly and he just he just knows and i think that's that's honestly like a once in a generation gift you know you don't really see it in dramatic performances anymore i feel like unfortunately um i feel like it's more comedy is f- if you can get somebody who's really good at physical comedy that's even rare today, you know. Um, yeah. But uh, and, oh, one of the trippy things I wanted to bring up was yeah. Whenever I think it happened twice when it would like zoom in to the planet spinning around, mm-hmm. and then there are rings around the planet, so it's like Saturn. But then clouds suddenly climb down from the top of the screen and yes. sit on the rings, and then it transfers to the clowns in the circus practicing. <laughs> yes, that was great. Mm-hmm. Like I said, those transitions are kind of like borderline experimental sometimes. Yeah, um, and, stuff, and like, I, and he, it, it was used sparingly enough where right. like once you're used to uh, like the more conventional story drama stuff, it's like, oh no, 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 remember, there's some weird uh, some weird stuff going on here, right? <laughs> it's it's like kind of like almost like cosmic horror, yeah. Like stuff going on, yeah. Like the, that's a really good point. I like that. Um, um yeah. I mean, the, the rings of the circus, circus rings. Yeah. And another thing that's you know, really, and and then they toss his body in, like off of the rings. Yes, that that's so moving to me. I don't know why. Um. Yeah, that makes me think of um, the lady, the lady in the radiator. Oh, just like the yeah. way it would shift into that, specifically like that's a, that's a, like the mostly eraser head thing. Yeah, that, like I thought of. 
it's really funny to me that they they made this movie first for MGM, right? But they didn't release it right away, <laughs> and they released it during Christmas time. <laughs> huh. Uh, and another fun bit of trivia is a reviewer called Norma Shira Bowlegged, and Irving Did she thought a horse. I don't know. Nothing they call it about her. No, no, but Irving Thalberg, who she ended up, you know, marrying, uh, made a directive basically that her her legs were never to be shown again on screen. Oh my gosh! And <laughs> she wore like skirts or you know pants all the time, hmm. which is a weird thing. But I just thought that was interesting, Jeez, just because like one the... reviewer said she looked bow legged. God, that, that reminds me of um, Ebert, who I, I think is mostly, he's important, but like you read some of his reviews and you're like, what mm. were you on? Yeah. Right. And one review for Exorcist Two, a movie I, I dearly love, he calls out um, uh, Linda Blair for having chubby legs. Oh. What a psycho! And she was like 13 at the time. It's like disgusting. Dude, don't fucking do that. No. You you may not like you can you cannot like the movie. But don't right. fucking call her legs fat in your review. I hate fat phobia in any of its forms. I just had to put that out there. I've been like trying to think of ways to insert yeah. fat phobia into like a podcast thing. But let me let me just say, hey, uh, Ebert, what what are you doing in that uh, theater chair? Just uh, just out of curiosity, how are them legs? <laughs> That's a, I'm really glad that you brought up fat phobia. That's the weirdest sentence I've said all day. But um. <laughs> Those the, the you know where they're cutting to the shots of the people in the audience laughing, and there's that family. That's pretty. They're they're large individuals. Yes, did you did you think that was joke? Was that? I mean, I'm still kind of trying to understand fat phobia in mm. general. Um, did you think that was fat phobic? Because I found it kind of fat phobic. Uh, yes, okay. it's definitely fat phobic. Okay. Yeah. Because they're they're sloppy, they're fat, like the dad starts almost choking, right? You know, all that stuff, and it's like, look at these disgusting people, and they come here to laugh at me, and right, like all that. Yeah, and it's yeah. not I wasn't surprised. I'm not either. It's a cheap shot. It's it's, it's low hanging fruit. You know, it, like they would do that in a two a 2023 movie. Honestly, yeah. Just, I mean, they still yeah, it's, it's still it's something. The local that needs. commercial. Uh, around here for uh, uh, air conditioning or something where it's like open windows are sometimes good and it's like a hunk and then, and then they're bad and it's like a fat guy with a hairy chest uh, yeah it's it's yeah it's it's something that's an ongoing process I feel like unfortunately but, but, uh, going back to Jake what you were saying about um like people who know should know their history John yeah. Borman, director of Exorcist too, yeah, um, is a huge fan of silent movies. Okay, and um, interesting for like is I think from like uh, his first film to I think Excalibur was when he stopped. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would only do special effect techniques that were done in the twenties. Interesting. So uh, Exorcist two has a segment that like uses um, rear projection in a mm-hmm. very trippy, fascinating way. That he had to, that he did in a way it like he he loves uh, Griffith. Oh, unfortunate. Uh, yeah, yeah, but like he, but like his quote was like, 
more or less like if Griffith did it and like Seastrom did it, then yeah. that's the only way you should be. That's the only way yeah. you should do do these things. Yeah, I I kind of feel that way sometimes about certain things because it's like you watch things nowadays and it's just like, did you think that looked good? Because it doesn't. Like even you know? like all of Zardoz is just like shit they're doing in the twenties. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. Which makes you love the movie even more. Yeah, more that's like... so freaking cool to hear. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, Griffith is a thing, but I don't yeah. think people talk about him anymore, which is good. He's a creep. He is. Yes. Uh, aside from being, you know, a racist. Uh, yes. Leg- racist. He's important to cinema, but he also yeah. liked younger girls. Yep. Just like Charlie Chaplin. Yeah, I know. That's that's something that I've had to because it wasn't something that I thought about as a kid when I loved Chaplin, but uh, now that I'm older and more wiser, it's unfortunately something that I uh, definitely have to deal with as somebody who like used to talk about him all the time and. Uh, I certainly think it's not some. It's one of those things that's like people don't want to talk about as as part of who he was because mm-hmm. it's it's the thing. And I I don't. It's like you don't have to be like I'm never going to watch his movies because he was, right. he was older, older your younger girls, mm-hmm. older girls that would be better. Uh, but <laughs> I wish it was older me, girls. Find, find me a track. Find me a director that only dated octogenarians, please. Yeah, I'm uh, clarifying. I want to say younger about Chaplin. I mean, like 16, underage. 17. Yeah. yeah. No, no. Yeah, definitely. Like Jerry Seinfeld dating his now wife. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I just... It's, I, it's, it's become one of those things where I have to separate the art from the artist, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, because those movies still mean a lot to me. And he did... I think he definitely did a lot for movies. Um, I think yeah. Chaplin was genuinely, like, probably mentally ill. Not that that excuses anything, but because no. his mother was allegedly mentally ill, but and he had a rough upbringing, but doesn't excuse any of that. No, of course, no. you know, I can it say is... I have a rough upbringing, but it's just because my mom left me at McDonald's for two seconds while she was in the bathroom or something, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, <clears throat> I'm sorry. I'm sorry that happened. Just... <laughs> no, it didn't happen. I just picked oh, okay. that up. <laughs> <laughs> it was a Wendy's. It wasn't a McDonald's. Yeah, it was a Wendy's. You got me. You caught me. So, like, a thing that for me that I have to talk about is whenever I see animals in movies, mm-hmm. especially older movies. Yes. Yeah. Where usually, if it's if it's if it's a cat or a dog, it's mostly fine. Mm-hmm. But if it's other than that, then I just get depressed when I see it. Yeah, you know me. I'm glad you brought that up because I totally forgot to bring it up. But and the, I'm so, glad like that... the the lion scene was crazy. Yeah. But then it made me sad, being like, when I start thinking about, well, how was it treated? Then I'm, yeah. I'm like, stop, something about that. Just enjoy the movie. Right. <laughs> Just focus on the movie. That was the first time this viewing too. I thought that too because I looked at, I was like, kind of looking at him, but luckily it cut away before I could look too closely at the lion. Yeah. Um, 
I, I can say that the lion looks healthier than some of the stunt lions I have seen in these older movies before, but that's still, that is not necessarily indication of a right. better treatment or anything. Not a just, good thing. It is funny that the first produced MGM movie has a lion in it. Just saying. Yeah. You got this lion around you, want to lie it? Oh, sorry. <laughs> I mean, the horses seem to be treated decently. They, they, yeah. it's, it's not a Western where it's like, we're going to yank a rope till it falls. Yeah, yeah but even then, like, yeah. the, you horse... know, the horse is like freaking out. It's, it, it's acting like they yeah. can get a horse to look like it's doing that. But And the horse that acted in, in the movie was actually pretty good because there was the first scene where Consuela comes to the circus. Wow, that, that sounds like a children's book waiting to happen but anyway <laughs> consuela uh and uh john gilbert's character goes in there and his horse like is nudging him into the room mm-hmm. and i i like yeah. that that yeah. i put wingman horse for my nose <laughs> mm, get in there <laughs> all yeah, right that, so uh yeah we gotta wrap it up i got to leave pretty soon okay so um i would highly recommend he who gets slapped the unknown um it's less than an hour i think i that's the easy recommend yes definitely. also uh it is worth it for the gimmick but it kind of is more just the gimmick than like right. a good movie overall yeah but uh yeah uh i am definitely more excited to watch more on cheney stuff Tubi has a has a good deal of it right now yes and uh, the todd browning stuff specifically yeah um and yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot to be had there. Yeah, and yeah, I, uh, these movies are available. Uh, I feel like a lot of Lon Chaney stuff seems to be more available compared to others. Mm-hmm. At least a decent amount seems to be more available. But track these movies down. Some are on YouTube because it's been it's been long enough. Yeah. And uh, also, oh, do not watch the Amazon cut of. <laughs> You get slapped. It, they cut out about fifteen minutes. Oh, that's weird. I wonder if they just cut out like the romance scenes. They actually, cut out all the slapping scenes because it was too violent. Which is funny because it's called the ghoulish edition. But oh, yeah, yeah. yeah so with that out of the way, uh, I will go first with my recommendations. So I'm sticking with 1920s, just kind of in general. Number one, my favorite silent movie, which is The Man Who Laughs. It's a visual inspiration for a Joker. Mm-hmm. It's a, uh, excuse me, it's a uh, more of a drama than horror, but there are some horror elements to it. But it's it's definitely more depressing and sad mm-hmm. than, like when you hear it's the basis of Joker, you might think it's a, it's a crazy weird circus movie. And right. It's c- kind of more of a depressing drama. Based mm-hmm. off a, a Hugo, uh, a Victor Hugo story, mm-hmm. I believe. I want to say Hugo Weaving, but it's not <laughs> Hugo Weaving. It's a Victor Hugo. Greta Gerwig and Hugo Weaving <laughs> finally together. Oh, don't don't tease me with that, please. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I recommend that. And uh, there's another. So there's someone. There's a famous director who was born in 1923. He's, so he's older than these two movies. That director's name is... Uh, I, I say it. Uh, Osman or Usman Simben mm-hmm. was born, uh-huh. born in 1923. So watch his movies. 
read yes. his books if they're translated to English. Uh, uh, wait, no, Mimbeti is 20 years younger, so I can't record Mimbeti stuff. So, yes, yeah, Simbin, yeah. born 1923. Yes. And, um, I guess, uh, Oscar Micho movies, just in general. Yeah. Because of the race movies, he's kind of like the one who made the prestigious, expensive ones. Because <laughs> yeah. when you watch the other ones, you're like, oh, he, they're shoe had budgets. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, Oscar had some money, and everyone else had just enough money <laughs> to make these movies. But yeah, the Oscar Micho movies tracked him down. A lot of them are on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, cinematic uh, icon that. I feel like is more famous than now because of the documentary um, Horror Noir because they talk about some of his work. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Oscar Micho is a, a very important uh, director. One of like, the first prominent black director in America. Uh, watch his shit. That's it for me. Right. Why don't you go so I can keep okay. looking through my yeah, stuff? Okay, go ahead. Uh, so definitely more Lon Chaney, just in general. Um, if you want a better version that's not problematic, and it's a Todd Browning Lon Chaney collaboration, the 1925 version of The Unholy Three. Check it out. Good crime movie. Uh, has May, May Bush. Uh... <laughs> Who ironically would go... It's very interesting, her career trajectory went from Lon Chaney to Laurel and Hardy. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but anyway. Um, so yeah, definitely check out The Unholy Three, 1925. Um, if you're interested, check out Laugh, Clown, Laugh. It's the other clown Lon Chaney movie. Um, and they're definitely... I'm just going to... Since we're talking... i got like three more recommendations... Um, I'm going to beat the drum for my other favorite movie of all time, The Crowd, which was 1928, directed by King Vidor. One of the most moving silent films of all time. Um, and made and released the same year, The Wind, with Lillian Gish, directed by Victor Seastrom. Another great, it's a great thriller. Um, since you, we talked about Greta Gerwig a lot, I'm going to recommend, and this is not a 20s movie, but it's a silent movie. Hmm. Um, it's a movie directed by Lois Weber, who directed Suspense. You know, the, the very early, um, you know, there's a burglar in the house yep. movie. Uh, she made a movie called Shoes, and I think it was in 1916. And that's a fantastic movie. Uh, really about, you know, poverty and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, definitely check that one out. But yeah. Marlon Chaney. And Kino Proud. has a Kino yes. has a, a box set of early African American cinema. Has a lot of twenties stuff, and they have a box set for early uh, female directed cinema. Yes, they do. Um, but yeah, that shoes is great. But like I said, I can't believe I was like, I don't know what I'm going to recommend, and I'm like, how can I not recommend the crowd, which is a movie I feel like I beat the drum for a lot. But uh, yes, see the crowd, watch the wind, you know. Now I just sound like I'm listing things to look at, but, you know. <laughs> look at these things. <laughs> but, 
but yeah, I mean, there's so many other... Oh, and if you just want to see, like, a broad stroke of, you know, Lon Chaney, just his whole his whole life and stuff, there's a documentary directed by Kevin Brownlow called Lon Chaney, A Man of a Thousand Faces, and it's great. It has an interview with Ray Bradbury where he talks about Lon Chaney, and it's one of my favorite things of all time. Um... But yeah, check that out if you're wanting to just kind of get broad strokes of Lon Chaney. So maybe you find... Because that's honestly how I discovered these two is... Uh, I watched the documentary and I was like, oh man, I really want to see this clown movie. And I want to see, you know, the the one where he doesn't have any arms but does have arms. So yeah, you might find something in there. But yeah, that's... You know, and if you want to watch The Phantom, you can watch The Phantom. That's a. I mean, that's another. Is that a body horror movie? I mean, it's it was face, right? Yeah. It's like deformity, uh, and same thing with like Hunchback. 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 Yeah, he kind of innovated it, didn't he? Yep. I didn't even think about that, huh? Cronenberg walk up to him, and be like, "You inspired me." Be like, "Who the fuck are you?" <laughs> we just put a picture of Lon Chaney right in front of him and just say, "You stole from this man. Now give back." <laughs> I don't care if you're from Canada. You're not one of the nice ones. <laughs> oh. Not like Martin Kessler. No, not like... Um, the Penalty. That's another great Lon Chaney movie where he has his legs. He doesn't have any legs. <laughs> uh, definitely check that one out. That one's pretty that's, good. That's the one where he had like his legs strapped. Strapped behind him, yeah. Yeah, which and that's, is insane. It's insane. He could only film for like 10, 20 minutes at a time. Yeah. Which is insane to think about. But, yeah. Uh, definitely check all those out. They're great. Um, do you have your, your suggestions? Yeah, I do. I Okay, so... Um, it's We're filming this in October. I don't know when this is actually going to come out. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Spencer gifted me, I believe it was you, Spencer... A copy of the Cabinet of Doctor Caligari. Oh yes, I did. Oh, which nice. is, you know, it's a famous movie. People know yeah. a lot about it. And I just like if you're a Tim Burton fan, or you're just a fan of that kind of like gothic look, mm-hmm. like Dark City was another example that reminded me. The way that the Cabinet of Doctor Caligari lays out just set design and the way characters look even like this this whole gaunt thing going on with the main character but also you know, the guy who controls him and, and and things like that they just there's just so much to pull from this movie just on a casual watch alone yeah the kind of thing you'd be like oh what does that remind me of so many times and the movie itself is amazing in my opinion yeah just uh, <laughs> take the concept of somebody who sleeps all the time and somehow make it terrifying. Yeah. The only time that's been terrifying to me is when it was a relative. So think about it that way. No, I don't have a relative that sleeps all the time, but it would be scary. (laughs) Um, Yeah. uh, One. (laughs) So this is Buster Keaton. It's decade. Like a lot of his like most famous stuff. And I'm a huge fan of the general and, it's it's so interesting to me now 
that I know a bit more about the whole reframing of the Civil War as this, you know, the the War of Northern Aggression type mm-hmm. thing. And like even back 1926, they're making films. You know, this this uh, uh, Confederate general <laughs> is the hero of this movie. You know, he's you know, God bless the South and all this stuff like that. <laughs> and like even to this day people try to reframe the entire thing as to like the south were the victims like yeah. there was there was nothing going wrong you know you'll still he- he- even hear people like saying things like slaves you know were well taken care of and and uh, all this or not even well taken care of it's like they had they were treated humanely exactly allegedly there were good slave owners and <laughs> it's like do you hear the word slave <laughs> and it's it's just like you can look back like a famous example gone with the wind right yep. that's just a whole trying to reframe it look at the tragedy thing it's glorifying it yeah there's so many movies that yeah. are just like that books obviously and like we had that whole thing that happened with the confederate statues where people were finally were like oh yeah we oh take wait these down. This is like a traitor we have a statue <laughs> of. This whole rebel attitude. We're all rebels. It's like, no, they were the bad guys for right. a very specific reason. And that makes the general just kind of an interesting piece of history, along with being just a, an excellent stunt and yeah. comedy movie. Because they blew up a real ass train. Mm-hmm. And Buster Keaton actually died while filming it, but they brought him <laughs> back to life. Necromancy is very popular in Hollywood, yes. Yep, yep. Oh, there's so many scenes that he does where it's like, I would die. I would die there. I would die there. Yep. Is that, that's not the one where, uh, I think that's Sherlock Jr. I'm thinking of, where he gets the the water tower, where he gets the water, like, sprayed on him. Yeah, I think that is true. It must be. I just love that story. My dad told me that story as a kid that, like, he, like, like had headaches for well actually technically my dad tells the story that he had headaches for years which isn't yep. how it actually happened but and he went to the doctor and the doctor's like when did you break your neck and he goes i didn't even know i broke my neck mm-hmm. which you know sir your neck is broken <laughs> madame you are pregnant no i don't know <laughs> but uh doesn't doesn't he just kind of like do all of that you know train stuff for the girl technically oh exactly the whole reason he's because the woman admires the soldiers and he's just a some schmo yeah and so which in a way makes it funnier because it's like he doesn't care about his yep. yeah his <laughs> his affiliations he, he just, doesn't care about his decisive victory against the union yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, It'd be funny if I don't even know if it's based, like possibly based on some event that actually happened. But yeah, it's it's interesting the blinds that they try to pull Pull. over people without acknowledging that that's what they're doing. Like I saw Nanak of the North Mm -hmm. when I had my short stint of doing film classes in college. Yeah, and you know it's it's just a documentary and it is interesting. Although ADHD, eventually it's boring. Mm-hmm. And then after we'd all watched it and kind of discussed it, the teacher was like, well, 
Most of this was fake. Yep. I was just about to say most of it was fake and staged. He was he was like an actor and did it like yeah, all this stuff and it's like yeah. That's that's a good thing to remember about documentaries. Just because somebody makes a documentary doesn't mean it's reality. Right. Um in fact, that was so popular of a movie that they made like Nanook ice cream bars. Oh my gosh. And it was so like he was so like destitute and poor that like it came out in the newspapers that his whole family like died of starvation. Oh my gosh! And like here they're commercializing everything about him except giving him the money. But yeah, um, if you guys haven't checked out the story of film, it's a TV. It's kind of a TV show by Mark Cousins, and uh, it's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned a lot. When I first, the first time I watched it, and it might take a few goes because he does have a weird kind of narrating voice. Yes, that's the thing that bothered me about that. And he's got a weird way of enunciating, and but yeah, ends every sentence going up. Yep, and it's really <laughs> yep. weird. But you, it's something that like when I feel like I'm burned out on movies that I rewatch again because it's just there's so much to learn. But yeah, definitely check that out. But. It made me think, because that's where I learned that bit about Nanook, is from the story of film, so. Yeah. Okay. Alright, so, I write for Grumpire, I um, show up on podcasts on occasion, usually movies from hell, or lately it's just been movies from hell the last couple of years. And, um, yeah, go, uh, go to Grumpire, uh, you'll find stuff I've uh, contributed to or written uh, on there so uh, I have two blogs about one on movies one on African history that I don't update anymore that you can read if you feel like it if not I don't know you do you <laughs> I feel that very encouraging I don't do anything so uh, go ahead yeah, I've just kind of become a professional guest. It's a lot uh, easier than doing a podcast, and mm. yeah, uh, you not professional. You and Dave Easter Star show together, where it's a different host every time. Yeah, <laughs> it's a great job if you can get it right, and if you get it, you can try. Um, no, uh, I tried doing one with a with a friend of mine, Leonard, and. Uh, he lives, you know, all the way across the globe and just was getting too hard to uh, coordinate, so I get it. Um, but, you know, you guys, thank you for having me on. Uh, this is this is a dream podcast to do. Oh. So I've, I've always wanted to do something about Lon Chaney, and this was like, when we talked about it, I was, I don't even remember how we talked about Lon Chaney, and I was like, Oh, we could do Lon Chaney, and it was just like it was perfect for me. Yeah, in the next episode we will record probably like a month or so, roughly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I gotta wait for the other person to respond to emails. It'll be uh, your favorite movie, Meet Me in St. Louis or St. <laughs> Louis. I don't yeah. know which is the right way to say it. I'm a very, um, I guess I'm an MGM ride or die apparently because we just talked about two MGM movies, but anyway. Yeah, and the other guest is another Midwestern guy who loves um, uh, 
his favorite Christmas movie is um, Meet Me in St. Louis. It's Saint yeah, Louis. it's a great it's a great Christmas movie. Um, there's a lot of there's just so much to talk about in that movie, and it's so much fun. Um, so I will let you know as soon yes. as I get a response. Yes, I'm excited for that one. That will be a blast. I try to watch that every year. That'll uh, be a Christmas episode in case anyone's wondering. Perfect time. And um, let's see. Uh, only things coming out that it is set in set in stone is Halloween episode is English, the Zelda Rubenstein movie. So uh, if you've seen it, give us a listen. If you haven't seen it, find a way to watch it without spoiling what the movie is. And um, then listen to us because we we go full spoiler immediately in that one, pretty much. All right, that's it, Jake. Thank you. Oh, do you have social media stuff or not really? Uh, yeah. Follow me on. I'm gonna call it Twitter. Uh, call follow me on Twitter at Speed Archer Jake. Um, I'm not really doing anything. Uh, thinking about maybe starting the blog up again maybe not just for movies but uh i mean the only really thing i have going on is i'm going to try my damnedest and participate in national writing a novel month so nice uh we'll see how that goes i've been working on stuff so maybe i might take bring the blog back in some form and uh rebrand a little bit and kind of get that writing the writing juice is going again because I might actually, you know, rewatching he could get slapped. I might work on a piece for it and put it easiest out there. Way to get, easiest way to write is to write. <laughs> to get Bingo. back in the habit, yes. it's easy. Yeah, and uh, there's something. Yeah, I mean, unless so, yeah. Just okay. keep an eye yeah. out for my socials, and I'll post on there on Twitter X, whatever it's called. It's weird to call okay. it X to me, but anyways. Yeah, so thank you for your time. And yeah, thank you for having me. For the Christmas episode. Yeah. J Dog, I'll talk to you again probably tomorrow or something. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> Stop recording. <laughs>